I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Now that will be your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. In a greater measure than ever before, that will be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, can you quickly greet two people on your left and your right? Congratulate the person for the blessing of today. Congratulate somebody. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Uh, can we open our Bibles to the book of Philippians? I want us to read from the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Uh, last time, which was our first uh, study for the year, I began to say something about the focus that we have in our hearts as believers in Christ Jesus, uh, that we have to be careful not to set worldly focus in our minds. The world has its own focus. He has what it expects us to do, what he would like us to conform with. The world has its focus. The world, the world that is, and oftentimes what the world is trying to do is to teach us that focus. I said it again last time that Christianity is radical. It's radical. Christianity is not the way by which we get what the world wants. Christianity is not our own method of building houses. Christianity is not our own method, I hope you're getting my point, of buying cars or making money. The proof of our Christianity is not that we have something to show like the world has to show. That is not the proof of our Christianity. Please, let's get it clear. It is not what can your God do to compete with this. I picked that from, um, if, you, if you can get the music, it's a very old one, very old, Witch's Invitation by Carmen. Carmen I don't know whether it really happened, but he presented it like it really happened. That he had the neighbor, a witch, well, or what they called a warlock, all right? And I heard that the warlock, the biggest warlock in Africa is in Ghana. I found out recently. <laughs> and that this man is a warlock, you understand? And one day, in fact, the, 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 the track is titled Witch's Invitation. It was a narrative. So this guy invited him to his house, sat him down, and had a big album, bound volume, of newspaper clippings and other things by which he was demonstrating the power that he had to this man of God. And he showed him that, listen, I was paid to curse this man with AIDS by his hands. I cured this man by performing drill worship. He was showing, showing different things, things that were published in the newspapers. So I was the one that did this one. This one happened to this man because I did it. He showed him on, I said, for over an hour, the man was showing the kind of power that he had. Do you understand? At the end of the day, he said to him, what can your God do to compete with this? I heard there's one clown in our nature. He said, can your pastor do this one? They said, when he has done something, he will say, can your pastor do this one? You know, it's literally my classmates. I told I have my, there's a chat group of my old classmates, university classmates, so I, I belong there. And the chat, once in a while, I get, I enjoy the chat. So, Jesus went in, into that direction today. 
So some one of them, there's one guy who likes to mock. And I'm, of course, you know when you're a pastor, you're often the target of mockery. So he said, hmm, something happened in our nature. You know, one, uh, one uh, juju man did something against one pastor. And I said, I'm sure both of them are the same. Just that one wears suits, the other one does not. That this is all kinds of pastors. And I said, even though Kemute's friend in Lagos calls himself a pastor. So one of my classmates now replied, said, look, that is the last authentic man of God. That's the guy that likes that likes to yeah. So I put this laughing face, like 100. You know, I was laughing up and down. I said, rolling on the floor, laughing. I said, man of God, call man of God me. So he said to me, he said, I've never, I said, no, no wonder you don't agree to come to my church. You go to that guy's church. He said, I've never heard of a miracle from your church. <laughs> so I kept on laughing. I said, I'm not a miracle peddler. I teach people how to live for Christ. I'm not saying my God does not do miracles, but that's not what we're advertising. We teach people how to live for Christ. So come on that day, the man said to him, what can your God do to compete with this? And he said, he quickly prayed and said, God, I don't want to put you through some foolish test. So he said, suddenly, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and he jumped up from his chair, threw the book back at the man, and said, the real comparison is the condition of your soul and the condition of mine. It's not which power we are using. Let's examine our souls. In summary, you are going to hell, I'm not. You want to know what my God can do? My God will send you to hellfire, and he will take me to heaven to be with Christ. Try that one for size, like they said. He got up and walked out of the man's house. <laughs> now, and that's the truth, you know. You may say, ah, you should have demonstrated power. Yeah, there are times in which you demonstrate power. But for people who are going to hell, which is the power demonstration? It's not confused. God wouldn't demonstrate power for him. He demonstrates power to save those who are confused. For a man who has sold his soul to the devil, God doesn't, doesn't bother. If I was the one, I would get up and say, bros, have you finished? Can I go home now? I, I, no need for argument. What am I going to say? Christianity, that's where I brought that phrase from. Christianity is not a contest. It's not what can your God do to compete with this. It is not who can make who the richest person in the world. Those early days, when we began to learn the word of God, we felt that if God was so powerful, you know, we tried to persuade ourselves that Bill Gates was a Christian, but he wasn't. He wanted to use it to preach. Then they twisted it that his grandfather is a Jew. Try to make it look like being the richest man in the world is a sign of the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham. Try to make it look like that. But the father is not true. I wonder, as we're growing older, we begin to read this Bible and we'll find out that the things that people hold in high esteem, God does not. The things that the world will hold in high esteem, the good Lord doesn't. Then one day my eyes opened and I saw the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was a real temptation. Those things were real temptations. They were not imaginations. They were not just teaching points. They really happened. So when Satan said to him, bow to me and I will give you the glories of these kingdoms of this world. It was a real temptation. Do you know why? Because he cooled. And he would have been the richest man. I hope you're getting my point here. So, can God make people rich? Of course. But so has God allowed Satan. He has allowed him that. 
He has allowed that to, to him as some of the ways he bargains for the souls of people. And this is a sad sight. Till date, he's bargaining for the souls of Christians. Jesus wanted to warn people. He never told his disciples, beware of Satan. No. He said, beware of covetousness. He said, you can't save God and mammon. Because he knows that Satan cannot come to a Christian and say, serve me. No. They won't listen. Why would they listen? So he comes offering things. And let me say it to you again. Satan does not come, you know, say, bow to me now, you know, like that time. There are subtle ways he tells you to bow. It's not a physical bowing. Subtle ways. For example, you're a preacher. There's something one we're praying just now that Pastor Kimde was praying with. He said, listen, that so that, that we will pray that we will not be tired of preaching Christ. He and I were discussing a, a, a day or two ago, and I said to him, a lot of preachers, they get tired of preaching Christ because preaching Christ does not get you the kind of results that the world admires. So many times people get tired of preaching Christ. You can preach Christ and preach Christ for 10 years. The church doesn't buy a new car. I'm, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't give new cars. He does. If you want, if it's important, pray to him, ask him for it. He will give you one. Last time I gave the testimony of one of our brothers, I just said, God, come on, dress me up for this Christmas. And the Lord did. I have a personal testimony that anything that's serious, that is material thing, if I ask the Lord for it, he does one of two things for me all the time, 100% of the times. Whether I give it to me or change my mind about it. He just showed me for some time, look, after some time, it's not important. And I'll look at it and say it's not important. If I say I really like it and his spirit agrees with me, just give me time. It will come. And I'm not joking about it. If I set my mind in that way now, I wouldn't do it because it's not necessary. That I think Kingdom World Ministries should buy a brand new private jet that goes for $12 million. It's a matter of time. And you know me, I won't, you know me, I won't raise money, I won't say anything. I won't even announce it. It's not an analysis, it's a two. When I bought my last pair of shoes, I come to tell you. <laughs> no, think about it. If I buy a brand new Land Cruiser today, do you think I'll announce from this pulpit? You just see me down and say, Ah, Pastor, you have a new car. I say, Well, thank God, I'll start the car and drive. It's not celebration. People will see something new with me, not here, not Kingdom people. Kingdom people have a different attitude. Our attitude in Christian, in Kingdom world is that if you buy a new car, we sit with you, we'll pray for it, put our hands in our pocket. Buy fuel for you. But people will see maybe if I go to, you know, like the hospital and all of that. Say, ah, you have this, ah, well, you go wash and I wash what? <laughs> Why is it an issue? It's not, to me, it's not a big deal. Now, I'm not saying something here. So God does things like that. I'm not saying he doesn't. He does. But it's not our target. It's not our goal. We don't set our minds on it. So you can preach Christ and preach Christ. I'm talking about temptation. You can preach Christ and preach Christ and do what is right for a long time. Yet you will not have something to compare, materially speaking, with the people who are not preaching Christ or who are not watch, walking in righteousness. And let me say something to you. God allows that. It's part of the temptations of life. Now, it is not as if it's a big deal. It's just that he wants you to, one, he wants you to overcome such temptations. Number two, these are not even real things anyway. It still remains vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. It's chasing after the wind. So I'll say, Satan tempts now. 
After a while, I'll come to the pastor and say, the reason why your church is not growing, the reason why people look, your friend who has a church down there, just next street, his last birthday, they gave him a brand new Highlander. And that's one of the gifts he got. We're not talking about the land. Uh-huh. The same ministry we are doing. Just stop saying this thing. Stop telling people that if they sin, they will be punished. Tell them that grace covers everything. You know what I found out about truth? About the, whether these people accepting truth or not. It is not about whether it's true or accurate or it's not true or accurate. It's how it favors them. The other day when they re- I'm telling you the truth. Okay, was Yinka and I that were discussing, chatting today about something. He said, ah, have you heard this person believe this thing now? I said, pray for him. I said, there's no point arguing that he's enjoying that deception. That's a matter of fact. Many times Christians hold to certain thing, things. It's not about truth or, 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 or the fallacy. It's about do I enjoy it or I don't enjoy it. For example, if I cannot breathe my flesh, are you getting my point? If I cannot put my body under, for example, I keep on falling into adultery, sexual immorality as a married man. It is so easy to believe this hyper-grace doctrine that no matter what I do, I'm going to heaven. I'm telling you the truth. If I'm always lying, twisting the word of God here, are you getting my point? The day a man preaches to me that you are saved forever, you are secure, you can never lose your salvation, I quickly grab it. Go and study Sigmund Freud. It's called ego defense. When we in school, those who studying psychology, they taught us, taught us about ego defense or Freudian psychology. That you have to make sense out of life. Otherwise, you will go mental. So we call them ego defense mechanisms. There are different ones. Repression, regression, rationalization, all kinds of ones. So sometimes you take some of those doctrines. It's called ego defense. You have to keep your mind sane. Instead of looking for deliverance, you believe a wrong doctrine. That I was chatting, you can't have a chat. I said, oh boy, forget that. Pray for the man. I'm not willing to argue him out of it. Because the man is enjoying his doctrine. He's enjoying his doctrine. There's no point. He's enjoying it. I hope you're getting my point here. So that's what happens. So you're preaching Christ, you're preaching Christ. After a while, people will start, you know, they will offer you a new doctrine. You can see it. Now, that thing I've told you, time will not allow us, but go and check it. Paul, when Paul was arrested, okay? I think we should read that. When Paul was arrested, I just want to prove that point I just made to you now, okay? Please, where we are going to read this Philippians chapter what? Three. We are going to come back to it. I just want to quickly bring out something. When Paul was arrested that time and he began to talk to the people of Israel, there was something that interested me there. Let me quickly get to the verse I want. In Acts chapter 20, 22. I, I won't read everything, okay? I just want to bring out an issue. You see, Paul here, when he went to Jerusalem, where some people are setting him up for very strange things and the Lord decided to deliver him, all right? After all the struggles, the soldiers and everything, Paul requested to speak to the people. From chapter 1, he began to speak, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which are now offered to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. Because they didn't know, they had, been told, they, had, they had been told that he was a troublemaker that came from far and all of that. So when he began to speak their language, ah, they said, okay, let's listen to him. So verse 3, he said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, brought up in this city, 
educated under Gamaliel, they were giving him some respect, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God and all of that. For times, I can read everything. He went down to verse, he talked about how he was persecuting the church. In verse 6, he said, but it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus, you know what he was referring to, about noonday, he talked about the fact that Jesus appeared to him. Do you know there was no quarrel? He described everything. Jesus appeared to him, what he must, what he must do. Verse 12, a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and all of that. He described everything. They didn't quarrel. Then let's go down to verse 20. Verse 20 um, this was what happened. Verse 17. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. They did not quarrel. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving, watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, now, Jesus was speaking now. So he quoted what Jesus said to him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. What's the next line? They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Let me stop there. Can you see? It was not whether I was telling the truth or not. It was that the truth offended them. Things that you wouldn't have believed that they would pay attention to, they did. The moment he said, God is sending me to the Gentiles, they said, What? The truth offended them until today. Look, forget these people. Look. Let's talk about ourselves here. A lot of people that don't believe the truth is because it's offensive, not because it's wrong. Look, that's why I don't have time to argue with people. Because I know adults are so unreasonable. They can be so... Like this one with people who have been hearing, this one saved, always saved. Are you getting my point? There are so many clear-cut scriptures to show that that doctrine cannot be true. But people don't want to believe it. So if you come and say, oh, you have found a revelation, I will be looking at you like this. I will pray for you that. May God open your eyes. May you jam in this thing you have entered. Then we will be able to help you. When, you know, there are certain kinds of help you cannot receive until you have hit the wall. And your head has broken. Then you will return. We will not tell you, okay, sit down. The Bible says, even David said it, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Affliction is very good sometimes. People say, ah, once you're good, you can never lose your service. It makes me laugh. Because without batting an eyelid, I can quote three critical scriptures. One of, you know, Jesus said, do this, I will not, you know, people say that your name can never be written from the book of life. I said, then was Jesus high on drugs when he threatened the church? With it? He said, do this and I will not erase your name. You know what somebody told me? It is proof that he does not erase names. <laughs> are you, are you reading English or Hebrew? Like my wife said, you tell your child, finish your homework and I will not flog you. He says, see, daddy does not flog people. <laughs> Don't do the homework, you'll find out the truth. No, I say all kinds of things. Paul has explained to, Peter said it. He said, there are people who receive the knowledge of truth. You understand? Then, some people let them astray again. He said, their latter state is now worse than the former. How can it be worse if they are still saved? I read some of those scriptures there. Let me post you what I have them here. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6 says, Some people once had God's light. They experienced the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit. They experienced the goodness of God's word and the powers of the world to come. Yet they have deserted Christ. So they are crucifying the Son of God again and publicly disgracing him. Therefore, they cannot be led a second time to God. That's Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. I'm not very sure of the version because I copied this one somewhere. Like God's Word translation or New Living Translation, one of them. When I heard the explanation, some people gave, I said, eh? They twist that. Somebody said, <laughs> that was the one Yinka was showing me. Somebody asked, can this happen? He said, what if this happens? It depends if I decide to walk away from Christ. He said, that situation can never arise. I said, but the Bible shows us again and again that it arises and it arose before. And this was written to warn people. Listen, when Hebrews was written, it was to warn people who were about to desert from Christ under persecution. If an adult tells me that he believes that gospel, I know you are hiding something. There's one man I saw him preaching. I said, this man, later on I realized, I felt no. He's feeling sad for his son. He's hiding behind this doctrine because of the salvation of his son. The old man cannot bear the truth. So leave him. I just think that into that trying to explain something here. That people, people are not very reasonable. Whether they accept truth or they don't is dependent on whether it's convenient or it's not convenient. As simple that I told before, that the money you are giving is not the password to prosperity. They got angry. Do you know why? They have given too much. <laughs> a man has been giving and giving and giving for like five years, and he thinks he's close to it. Then God came to show him mercy. And the man said, no. Are you trying to tell me? Because he checks, think about it, he has tightened for like eight years. First fruits, he has added, end of January has come now. I will soon send out my tweet. I always send it around this time to save people. Your whole January salary. Pastor Kimude can ask for it, maybe. Maybe I can ask for it. But God did not ask for it as a doctrine. If I tell you, bring your first fruit to this house and it's a January salary, it is an arrangement between Israel, Felix, me, Okemute, Yinka, my wife, who else is joining us, and all the co-workers of Kingdom World. We are broke. So we decided to teach you that doctrine. It's not the word of God. You know, this is the end of January. That's why I always like to end <laughs> If you like, eat your January salary. God will not specially punish you. More than the punishment you deserved before. <laughs> and, you know, when you want to preach to some people, eh? lie, lie. Especially when they're, the, when they're on the collecting end, the truth is too hard. No, it's hard. Pastors and all kinds of people that have forced me that I said that tithing is not compulsory for Christians. It's not the word of God. You give the way you like. It's, church members actually don't have a problem with it. And I've been accused of undam- for undermining church revenue. Yes. Truth. <laughs> you can't... Look, to receive truth, your heart must be open. Truth oftentimes is inconvenient. And that's why many times people don't want to receive it. I just went to that trying to explain something here. Okay? 
So back to what we're saying. Listen. When Satan wants to tempt us, he subtle things like that. He tells the pastor, twist it slightly. That's how I'm talking about truth. He twists it slightly because it is convenient. When you preach this, you know, I know, you know, I've heard, I've experienced, you've seen pastors do it. They judge how good a message is by how much offering came in that day. I'm not lying to you. You'll be like, when you see some things, eh? Like, okay, one day will tell me that he tells his wife, so that he doesn't tell his wife, because so as not to erode respect for men of God. <laughs> so this woman can still respect men of God. They go, look, how much is the offering? Check it, who preached? He says, Steve, he's not preaching here again. <laughs> you, you are laughing. Ask him. It's what I'm telling you. <laughs> be like, what? You look at the offering. This boy won't preach again. He doesn't know anything. Even if they say, ah, sir, that everybody was crying. They were repenting of their sins. They were worshiping God. The guy will look the basket again. Say, <laughs> so forget that. That repentance not, not reach the heart. If to say, repentance reach the heart. Before seeing for this basket. Somebody was quoting one big man for me now. I won't tell the name of the big man because I don't believe the man said it. But the man quoting it for me is what I want to talk about. He said they did a major program. They said, man, God moved. And that man said, God moved. How much was the offering? That God has not moved until he reflects in the offering. Oh, God in heaven. Listen, I tell people these days, if you want to serve God, you first go and die. It's called dying to self. Giving your life to Christ is a dangerous, is a dangerous adventure. Don't give your life to Christ unless you want to give your life to Christ. If somebody tells you, come and invest in Christ, he has deceived you. Jesus is not an investment. When Jesus collects your life, he does what he likes with it. The other day, I was reasoning about it in my house. And I realized that Jesus was there when Stephen was stoned. And he did nothing about it. Uh, Didn't Stephen see him? Stephen saw him. He wasn't even sitting. He was standing. Commander of the host of heaven. He was standing. One who could ask God for 12 legions. He was standing. Then later on, when they put uh, Peter and Co in prison, he sent an angel to open the door. And the angel took them one back to go and be preaching publicly. So I said, wait, wait, wait. You could do this. Why did you not stop them from stoning Stephen? Now, I don't know why. There may have been reasons. I don't know. Maybe Stephen wanted to die. I don't know. Stephen did not discuss that with me. Did he tell you? <laughs> but one thing I'm sure of is that Jesus owes us no explanation. It, it pleased him to handle Stephen like that. I have a personal strong suspicion, I don't want to say conviction, that Stephen was, was God's first step. The death of Stephen, the life of Stephen the death of Stephen was the first step in producing Paul. 
That's my conviction. Well, that's my strong suspicion. That God said, how do I handle this poor guy? He has to shed a crucial blood. That blood has to speak in a particular way. Because you must understand, there are prayers you pray that you push God in a particular method, in a particular direction, in a particular way. So it's okay. He has, they are taught Stephen. He knew he, the Holy Spirit would possess Stephen. He knew what Stephen would say. So basically he told Stephen, utter me a prayer at a dangerous moment. Push Stephen to that dangerous moment. Stephen offered that prayer. God collected and said, good, you come. Your work is done. All the stoning of Stephen, go and read your Bible. He didn't feel it. He was busy beholding glory. There's no need for you to be wincing. They want to be helping for Jesus. What will I do? Don't worry. Jesus knows how to handle such things. Sometimes before you even reach there, he has removed you. You and him will be chatting. Say, have you ever seen beheading before? Say, no. Let, let, let us behead you. Let us see. see them there. They will carry a body. Put it there. You say, eh, these people are very wicked. They say, no mind them. What do we do? <laughs> Forgive them. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. When you give your life to Christ, that's what I'm saying. He does, he owns you. It's not an investment for prosperity. It is not. It's not an investment to settle your own plans. It is not. That is why I will say it again. Listen. I will keep on. Anyway, many people are learning the truth now. There was a time that few of us were saying some things, but people are lining up now. I will say it again and again. If you want to give, at least give money. Go and learn the proper way to give. It's not an investment. Giving is self-denial. That's what it is. It's not the way by which you multiply your money. The doctrine is convenient. That's why it is popular. If you want to give money, give money. Because your heart has been moved by truth. Because the spirit of Christ in you is bubbling up. Because God has shown you that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Because you have understood. Please go and read my track, Cheerful Giver. You can download it free from our website. Because you have understood that my future is not dependent on what I can see now. Because you have understood that everything God gives to you has a purpose. And in it, there is seed for the sower and there is bread to eat. Because you have understood that God created you to be a blessing to people. That's why you give. It's not to secure your destiny. It's not to secure the destiny of your children. It's not to secure your future. It is not. It is not. The reason why you give is because it's the right thing to do. The reason why you give is because you're an assignment. The reason why you give is because your money is not your own. That one that's with you is somebody else's own. It's God's own. And you're a custodian of God's resources. And like one of our brothers posted a few days ago, there was a picture. He said, how do you spell success with God? This is spelling, well done, good and faithful servant. You want God to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You give out money, you say that I have removed from my house that which is not my own. You just see yourself as somebody who God sends to do something. And like Jesus said, you don't have the right to come back and say, 
Now that I have done this, what will you do for me? He said, you are supposed to go to him and say, using King James English, we are unworthy servants. We have only done that which we are supposed to do. And like I always add, is there another thing you want us to do? It is erroneous for you to come to God and point out that, look, I have done this. Now listen, there are two ways we point to. There are two ways we say things to God. There are some you say overtly. There are some that inside your heart, God's supposed to know now. He's supposed to know. And how do you know? When you have done some good works, you feel confidence to pray. That's how you know you are walking in sin. When your confidence increases, when you have done something, you are trusting in your good works. What is your deliverance from that? It's simple. If that feeling comes up, confess it. Say, Lord, please, you know, as I was about to start praying now, <laughs> I was feeling happy that you would listen to me. You know why? Because we just gave out some money yesterday. I want to tell you I'm sorry. Confess it. Anything you've done, you've done as a faithful servant. If you want anything from God, you ask him as a loving child. A child of his that he loves. Ask him. That is the basis of, that's Christianity for you. Please, I'm emphasizing this. Because many people are getting disappointed with Christ because somebody lied to them. Somebody preached that, hmm, that your land, if you give it, it will be speaking in heaven. The people collected their land, gave it, it spoke in heaven and they fell sick. <laughs> it spoke in heaven. What is the Enugu State Agency demolishing everything now? Enugu Capital Territory Agency. After the land spoke in heaven, they demolished their shop. And then now come I meet poor man of God. Say, why should I be sick? After all, I gave my land to God. So what is the land? Is the land now a doctor? Is giving of land is immunization. You know, sometimes, you know, we may laugh, but sometimes it pains my heart. You see people having false hope. You can secure the destiny of your children with your tithe. It is a lie. Oh, I don't know which church you go to. This is January, January. Get ready. There are professionals going around from church to church helping pastors ensure that your first fruit is complete. These are the lies they, will go, they are going to tell you. Let me tell you the truth. Eh? I feel under unction to say it. They are going to tell you that with this first fruit, if the first is holy, the rest will be holy. Your next 11 months salary will be holy. Ask the guy. But you told me the tithe was going to do that. That's what you said last year. So tithe can't handle it again now. So, you know, people still practice idolatry. You carry something to the shrine to buy the protection of the gods. They bring it to church also. Listen, God does things for Christians on request. Because he has promised. And you ask him the name of Jesus. That's why he does his own things. Not because you brought one rotten sacrifice. Just because to you it is a lot of money. 
Somebody's going to tell you that if you want this year to be good, you, you, you will carry your whole general salary and give it to God. I will say it to you clearly, it is not true. God never said it. The Bible did not say it. And God does not even recognize that this is the first of the, this, this is the first month of the year. He doesn't know. Each person's year is like Nigerian gubernatorial election. <laughs> Everybody has the beginning of his own year. January is not the same for everybody. It depends on why the Supreme Court answers your case. <laughs> Imo has a new calendar now. Oh, the calendar of Imo has changed. Now, Nambra people start this thing. You know, now Nambra. Now, Peter will be. He went to have the constitution interpreted. So now we have so many states starting election. Or Kogi Ondo Ekiti. Now they've added Imo to it. Edo, Anambra, Bayelsa. Ah, ah. The whole country just. It's prophetic. <laughs> so let us know that our lives start at different times. Let nobody come and tell you your general salary is how you secure your destiny in, 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 in this year. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Stop believing a lie. And you now say, ah, hey, but I've given like this for the last, last six years. Listen, if you like, give for the next six years like that, making a total of 12, you are back to square one. The day you believe this doctrine is when your liberation starts. Will start. That's the day the Supreme Court will declare that you are the one that won. <laughs> the Lord is good. No, it's very important. You know, I'm just saying it because I feel sorry. Christians have held, I've heard all kinds of things. So having false hope. False hope. Your pastor is not God. So except he speaks the word of God, his words will not come to pass. Do you hear what I said? If he speaks his own doctrine, God will not back it. God is not under compulsion to, to defend words that he did not give to people. He said, I did not speak to these prophets, yet they ran. Let's get back to where we're supposed to start reading from. The problem is that people who take idolatry and bring it to church... They have a wrong focus for life and they expect God to meet it. They come to Jesus. Jesus is supposed to do their bidding. They forget that giving your life to Christ means that you will now do the bidding of Jesus Christ. Like I said, it pleased him that Stephen should go the way he did. And we are blessed for it today. Because Stephen set up the stage for the redemption of Paul and then for the writing of most of the deep doctrines concerning Christ that we know. So the life of Stephen paid off. I said last time, let me say it again, the real reward of a godly person is to see what your life is producing around you. I hope you are getting my point. The real reward of a godly person is in seeing what your life is producing, not what you, what you are enjoying. A true child of God can't stop giving, as an example. Jesus cannot stop giving. He gave, came down, he came down, he gave his life, right? He rose up from the dead and he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He didn't go down to heaven to sit and say, yeah, no. What more can we give? He said, start making intercession for the people on this earth. So right now, he's still working for you and for me. A true godly person never has a time. He said, I'm sitting down now. I have labored. Time to enjoy it. They keep on laboring 
and laboring, taking pleasure in what their lives are producing. That's what true godliness, that's what true Christianity is. This Christianity of investing in Christ is worldliness, quoted with a Christian, you know, garment. As if once I've done something for Christ, he must do back for me. No. When I give my life to Christ, you know what? You know how God introduced himself to Paul, that is Jesus. He told Ananias, I've shown him things he will suffer for my sake. We think that Jesus comes telling people all the time, I'm showing you the private jet you will fly for my sake. No. Every material thing on this earth, as far as God is concerned, is just a tool. Like I said the other time, listen, he can give it as is needed. If I want to go around the world now preaching the gospel, he's not going to give me a boat. They are too slow. It will take a few weeks to cross from here to the United States. So he won't give you that one. If he wants you to go fast, he has to fly you one way or another. And if I have to be in the air all the time, like somebody like um, Ravi Zacharias, I can't be flying economy. So Jesus will just arrange that, look, oh boy, don't die on me. Thank you very much. You need to lie down. So it's not, ah, this man I enjoy, you know, can you imagine? Ravi Zacharias wishes he could stay at home the way you stay at home. Necessity, like Paul said, has been laid upon him. That's why he travels. So God gives tools. He doesn't see them as a sign of progress, you know, like you have made it. It's a tool. That's what material things are as far as it's concerned. When you give your life to Christ, he's using your life. I hope you're getting my point. The way he likes. Some of the uses will appear glamorous, distracting people, confusing young people. Everybody comes coming to ministry wants to be an E, a Deboye, a David or something like that. Meanwhile, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. One of the people I used to explain living for Christ, you know, these days is the woman, be the chambers. Married a young, brilliant preacher. Poor, brilliant preacher. There was no tape recorder, nothing. The man had revelation, understanding of God. God said, like Paul, I don't want these words to disappear. What do I do? Find him a wife that is suited for him. A real help. And then Jesus said, how do we get up well prepared? Somebody said, ah, you would like to walk in Astro Rock? Yes. Get ready. They want somebody who can do fast and fantastic shorthand. So she trained herself so she would be able to get the job. But she didn't get it. What job did she get? Married a preacher and followed him all over the world. And God knew that this young man was going to die early. For whatever reason, I'm not saying everybody's destiny is to die at 43. But at the age of 43, he was dead. Having written only one book. But now, please, Remind me that I said I want to bring that my complete volume of his writings to show everybody what I'm talking about. They compile all his works. Massive volume. All of them, minus one little book he wrote, all of them taken from the notes that she took while he spoke. He died during the First World War. His books, his writings, as read by millions daily till today. If you, have, if you ever heard of um, My Utmost for His Highest, the daily devotional, 
Many Bible apps have it as their daily devotional. It pops up. Anytime you put on the app for the day, you see the, the write-off for the day. My utmost for his highest. The man didn't write the book. They picked those things from the things that his wife wrote. That's what Jesus does. He took Bidi Chamber's life. While she was alive, it didn't look glamorous. She was not a big preacher. Everybody came to her house. She was not there laying hands on the sick and everybody flocking to, oh, Mama Maria Woodward Etta is coming. There was somebody like that. Amy Semple McPherson was coming. There was somebody like that. Catherine Kuhlman is coming. There was somebody like that. But if you ask me to pick one of these people, if I have to choose one person that must live, I will pick Bidi Chambers simply because I have been tremendously blessed by Oswald Chambers' writings, which were not recorded apart from the things that she wrote. That's what Jesus is like. God plans for a very long time. He doesn't just plan for 2020. Yes. And listen to me, even if he gives us a vision of his grand plan, the details of how they will work out, he never gives. But he says to each person, occupy with this until I come. You occupy with this until I come. You be busy with this until I come. You do business with this until I come. In his own season, he will join it together. But the world will say, how can you serve God and have nothing to show for it? By the time they are telling you what to show for it, it has to be physical. You know those days, let's take Catholics as an example. Reverend fathers did not know what it meant to own a house. But now, every father won't build a house. Worldliness has crept in there too. How can you be a Reverend father? You don't have a house. People will now look at you and they are very foolish. But when we were young, the idea of being a Reverend father was that you won't have one. And it didn't matter to you. I hope you're getting my point. By the time you sign to join the, is it convent they call the Reverend Father? Monastery or the seminary, thank you. You already know, say, this is not my life. No wife, no children, physically speaking now. No house. No car of your own. If they post you to a big parish where the men are multi-millionaires and they all live in big houses, you'll find that the parish house is also big. Then they will gather and buy you a very nice car and you'll be driving up and down. And then when you are living, you will realize that that car is not your own. It belongs to the parish house. You will leave the keys. You will get up and go somewhere else. You will never be hungry. The mission will make sure you are never hungry. You will have a car to move around. They need you to have a car to move around. You know, when I was a student those days, when was I learning the word of faith? They taught us to laugh. Amongst ourselves, we fooled ourselves to laugh because we saw... That Catholics will take, if you want to be a Reverend Father, you have to take what they call the vow of poverty. And we said, ha, why will you take a vow of poverty? I will never take a vow of poverty. Jesus died that I may have all things. He came that I may have life. I have it in abundance as if life was in house. You know, you know, you interpret scriptures according to your degree of spiritual development. Like, like uh, what's the name of um, Lion King? Simba. Mufasa said, all this is, you're showing him the kingdom that he'll rule over. The boy said, oh, wow. He said, one day I'm going to rule it all. So, he was telling himself, yeah, they can do anything with life from morning till evening. So the father said, there is more to being a king 
than having your way all the time. The boy said, yeah, there's more. <laughs> there's still more. Can you see? His childish mind, his worldly mind, interprets every scripture according to material things. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, he said, that's many motocars. So we found, we, we, we told ourselves to laugh at the vow of poverty. Until one day I picked a Catholic magazine. I don't know what I was looking for. And there was an advert for young men and young women who felt called to the vocation of being priests and reverend sisters. And I read the advert. They had to take a vow of poverty. And I read the meaning of the vow of poverty. And I said, my God, why were we laughing? Every Christian must take this vow. If you don't take this vow, I doubt you whether you are born again or not. Whether you join the monastery, whether you join the convent, is not the issue. Therefore, I wrote it in the book, Grace to Prosper. I put a chapter in it on the vow of poverty, which I said every Christian must take. It is not mutually exclusive to the vow of prosperity. I said, why were we laughing? What the vow of poverty just means, as I read in the advert that day, is that you will own nothing. And that's true. I mean, but all the Reverend Fathers I've known all my life, had, had, they've had cars to drive. Because I've always lived in big towns and cities. They took their vow of poverty. I found out later on, you know, you know it, perhaps the anger lies in the bosom of a fool. When you don't know what is going on, you see, they want to build a house, they want to build a a, a new parish in the Catholic Church. The first thing they build is the Reverend Father's house. That's what the Catholic said. Later on, I found out the reason why. I said, hey. So you see, the Reverend Fathers always have a house to live in. Because the bishop will not approve a new parish for you until you build that house. So you build a house for the Reverend Father first. Because that's a sign that you are not a parish. The Reverend Father comes to stay there. I said, ah, hey. You know, this Pentecostal sometimes, eh, when <laughs> smoking a boy is a bad thing, you know. <laughs> I looked at this and I said, this is what they call the vow of poverty. The Reverend Father is not going to, that house is not his own. He will come in there, live there, do the work of the mission. Then when he gets transferred, he picks his bag, picks his keys. That is his key to his bag, not the car, or the car is not even his own. If they, they choose to dash in the car, good. But the idea is that you will never lack food. We will take care of your food. And that's what God is saying. See everything around you like that. The house you have is not a, an inheritance for your children. No. Don't die to have been hands on my children. Those children will prosper more than you. And that's the prophetic word, though. They will. So don't kill yourself. Solomon has taught us, don't kill yourself. People struggled. <laughs> hey, God. Struggled and built houses. They're all over Abuja like that. And in Enugali, those two places I know quite a bit. And the children are not interested. Because they live in the United States. They live somewhere in Europe. They live, and the man had fortune. As an old man, he was living alone. He even had to move downstairs into one small room. And then technology made it look like they are helping him. They've just ruined his life. You know how? They can call him. Once they've called their father, they're not coming to see him. All of us do that, don't we? So the man lives in that fat house all alone. 
then he dies. Sometimes children start fighting over the house. Sometimes they are too busy to even remember he has a house. They locked the door because they gave one tenant. He didn't pay rent, broke some windows and some doors. So they drove out the tenant. They locked the door and the house is rotting away on a daily basis. So Solomon calls the man and says, come, look. Vanity. Did I not tell you? You didn't read the Bible, have you? Look down there. What is that? Vanity upon vanity. True Christianity, let me tell you, is, is, is death to self. And it's, they are practical things, though. The achievements your mates are pursuing, you just say, I don't have time for it. There's nothing like after serving God, you must have something to show. You need nothing to show to any human being. What you need is to be able to fulfill the reason he gave you life. There's nothing like you need to show what? For who? What we want is for him to be pleased with our lives. Like I said the last time we were talking, that whether it's living or dying, in both of them we please God. In both of them we give glory to God. When he said to Peter, when you were young, you went everywhere you wanted. There's an old man, other people lead you. He said, by this, he showed the kind of death by which he would do what? Glorify God. So death is supposed to glorify him too. And that's the focus of Christians. Let me say it again. Christianity is not an investment that pays off in this life. I don't want to call it an investment at all. It looks like you are doing it for yourself. It is a giving of your life to Christ. It is giving your life to the person who made you for a purpose, saying, I will fulfill your purpose for my life. I want to live pleasing to you alone. Let nobody come and confuse you. I remember the, the, that discussion, you know, I used my discussion, discussion I've had with my mom different times as illustrations. My mother came and said, Banky, this was many years ago. Your mates are living in their own houses now. I said, how many of them are preaching the word of God already? I didn't, before the gist landed in my ear, the Holy Spirit possessed my tongue, gave my mother a reply. I said, how many of these my mates are preaching the word of God already? The way I said it, I said, how many of them are teaching the way of success? That was the name of our radio program. How many? Go and meet my landlord. I'm not owing him. That's what matters. Scriptures have different levels of fulfillment. You will live in houses you did not build. It's still fulfilled if you're a parent. Did you, did you build the house? <laughs> people just get and say, hey, they could nothing. There are people who build houses. Air fire knocked them down. They went back to being tenants. A friend of mine once, he built a new house, knocked down his old house, built a new one. So he said something to me, and I laughed. He said, experience has shown me that it would have been cheaper for me if I rented all these years. Because I knew when he bought that other house. Because by the time he was building the new one, he had a lot of money. He knocked it down, rebuilt it in a month. You know what that means? He don't look like, look, like that time I worried myself to get to buy this one. I said, I didn't need to. 
Because when he was rebuilding, he had money. Life has seasons. What the vanity of life is, is not just those material things. It's the effort you put into them. Into acquiring them. Into achieving them. Something is giving you too much headache. Forget it. It's not your portion. Or the time is not yet. Don't let your mates are buying houses, building houses disturb you. If you are living in a house, all you need to do is pay rent. Just look. Limit your prayer. You know, there's what the Bible calls the measure of faith. There are faith you can have easily. You know, yesterday after, after we had that our $200 million discussion, you know, I, I, when I was driving home, I said, God, now wow. How you go, you give us $200 million? I said, just by the way, please don't give me, I don't want my door. I told, I told the Lord straight, eh, who won Chris? No, I like my sanity, I like my wife, I can recognize any time of the day. I like it like that. $200 million, you will not know her again. He said, honey, say, are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm telling, I was going home, I said, Lord, please, just in case you are thinking about it, please forget it. Too. No, 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 I don't want, I don't want trouble for my soul. But I said something, what I was printed, Lord. I said, no, it's not out of, now this one, I'm, I'm giving you the gist. I said, it's not out of the fear of stretching my faith. Though. Because, listen, let me tell you the truth. Don't stretch your faith. Oh, some people, oh, I pray you get the point. Life has stages. You take it step by step. Here a little, there a little. If you go and check the miracles of Jesus, it didn't start with raising Lazarus. It ended in that direction. Take it step by step. If you want to have faith for things, stop using your faith for you no know, gra gra. You hear that pastor came to just released, you know, just built a new house, 15 rooms, you know, each one with jacuzzi and all of that. You now say, it's the same ministry we are doing. Are you mad? How can you be doing the same ministry? Where is it? <laughs> <What's your movie? laughs> of course you're not doing the same ministry. And I say, hey, you know we wake up at night? Hey, Kalabo, Shoho, Toho, Ropo, Topo, Top, 15 room, Jacuzzi, Jacuzzi. <laughs> I have never seen a normal human being that enjoyed the Jacuzzi. <laughs> but we'll be talking about Jacuzzi as if it's heaven. My friend listened to the U.S. Bank. I just said, this jacuzzi. He said, he went to a hotel. He rented a room that had jacuzzi. He sat in. He said, we don't enter jacuzzi, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Let me have peace now. <laughs> My friend is very funny. You know, he does things like that. He said, let's say this jacuzzi matter. <laughs> One day he told me, he said, look, Banky, I bought my wife a diamond ring. He said, let me not lie to you. The thing is not fine. <laughs> He said, now she keeps it that she, at least my husband, has bought me a diamond ring. He said, then the cubic zirconium ring that is cheap, beautiful, she wears it every day with the knowledge that she has diamond at home. He said, everybody's happy. <laughs> the Lord is good. Talking about faith, you take your faith step by step. The man built 15 rooms, all with jacuzzi, waiting concern you. There's faith you can easily handle, and I'm serious about that. Faith has measures. You develop your faith every day, but use the one that God has granted you each time. You have a three-bedroom flat. It's rent. So use faith to keep the rent down and keep the money coming. 
My wife and I stayed in a house for like eight years. Some of us packed in. They raised the rent because we took over somebody's rent. The guy paid rent, then they transferred him. So we refunded him. We paid two years. We refunded a year and a half. So as soon as that one was expiring, the landlord said we wanted to raise the rent. We were so unhappy for certain reasons. I said, I don't have time for quarrel. You know, for the next seven years, the man did not remember to raise our rent. The day he wrote a letter that the rent was going up, my wife and I burst into laughter because we were planning to move. Seven years. We lived in that house eight or nine years. Didn't raise the rent. The Lord just kept on making him not remember. But one thing I give God praise for, I'm not bragging, it's him I thank. One day I called his son to tell him to pay because I'm an elderly man. So I, I prefer talking to his son. As soon as the phone rang, he started hailing me. Said the pastor Banky. He praised and healed and healed. Ah, I was wondering what is going on. I thought he was in a good mood, you know that kind of thing. So in a, I had not told him anything. He ended with hm, the man who pays his rent without being reminded. Because his rent is normally due 1st of February. And I usually call him between 26th and 28th. I will call him. So once his phone rang, on like that 27 there about, he said, aha, he wants to pay rent. I said, well, thank God, thank God. Okay, do I bring a check or transfer the money? Okay, go ahead and transfer. That's till next year. Don't be using faith to believe God for land. When you are owing your landlord, are you mad? You know, people, people are just crazy. Pray first, Father. Pray so hot Rent is due in April. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, God, to the glory of your name, we shall pay before it is due. That's all the faith you have, bros. Manager like that. Listen, the new level of faith will show you events. Look. We don't look faith. There's what they call measure of faith. The man that has faith knows he has it, but more importantly, he's not even thinking. He's walking by faith. Yeah, he's just doing what is natural to him. If you want to know whether you have faith or not, check what it is costing you, not what is costing somebody else. What I mean is this: you can't go. Maybe I'm selling something now. You come and buy from me by faith, and you are eating it, hoping to pay me by faith. You are wicked. <laughs> Your faith is costing me. It's not costing you. You want to know you have faith? Send money to your father regularly. Let me see it. You want to know you have faith? Take care of one of your cousins and be paying his school fees. Don't come and collect my things. It's by, by faith. By faith, I pay you next month. You don't chop the thing, though. I can't collect it back. Jaguda. <laughs> it's, listen, faith will let you know when you have a level or you don't have a level. Different people have different ways by which they know. But listen, let me tell you something about God. Okay, that's what I want to preach today, okay? But let's just continue talking. You know, I found out something about the Lord. Both is written in scriptures and I've had experiences. He's very faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. The problem we have a lot of times is that we don't just take it at his own level, one by one. We are just afraid. If I don't do this one now, I may not have the opportunity again. What do I mean? They are selling land. You can't afford foundation. You know. Then your cooperative in your office now decides, because they do it all the time all around me. 
that they've gone to buy one 50 acres somewhere. They want to pass this small, small, small. They come and buy the land. Then they, they will give you a loan, of course. You check the cost of the land. It's your one-year salary. This is the land, though. One year. Then as they often do, uh, no, I always get the emails. Don't worry, I didn't buy. I didn't buy from them. I just, but I get the emails. Everybody contribute another two hundred thousand naira for perimeter fencing. Then contribute fifty thousand naira for what Jesus wants to help us do. One. They, they contribute. I just they look like me that they contribute. They go. Does it concern me? Then he said, "You see people buying, buying, buying. Please. Now, why a lot of us do it? Now, please try and follow me closely. For some people, that's God's door. For some other people, it is not." But why they want to get involved is that everybody is doing it. You know, say, ha, hey, hey, hey. This is an opportunity. You never can say, land is going up. I said, you know what I always tell people for a long time? They used to tell me, land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? He said, land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? You said land for one million, I didn't have money to pay. You said for 12 million, I paid. I hope you're getting my point here. I tell them, I said, look, the land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? I say, oh, wait. When the time comes, I will have the, it will be 100 million, but I will have 120. Right now that it is 500,000, and not get 200. Why do I want to go into distress? It is not every door you push your hand into. They may slam it on you, cut off your finger. Look, is this door my size? Go and, you will, I don't know how to say, you will know whether it is your season or it's not your season. But what I'm preaching is that don't worry about tomorrow. Many people go into doors that's not their season just because of the fear of tomorrow. They just believe that if we don't do it now, tomorrow, land will be costly. I say, don't worry. I don't believe in chance. I believe that God will sit down, map the one I'm supposed to live on, and deliver it to me. Whichever way he will do it. But one thing is certain. I am a child of God. I am above and not beneath. My destiny is in God's hands. Inflation cannot outstrip me in life. Because my God literally is alive and is on the throne. I believe it, oh God. I've always believed it. I've never been able to change my mind about it. I relate, people used to, I will say some things here. People will burst into laughter. The man said, ah, I should be giving 500 every month as insurance. I said, no, I found out it's not insurance, it's called assurance. I said, eh, it's assurance, eh? Yes, I said, why? So that in 20 years, it's life assurance. I said, bros, you know I'm not going to die. He said, no, 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 it's not just about dying. In 15 years, he said, they'll give me this amount of money. I said, eh? I'll give, my salary was 6,000 a month. I said, I'll be, what are you a church? I'll be giving you a tithe every month so that in 15 years, I've forgotten there are some. Maybe they give me like 100,000 naira. I said, hey. I said, bros, in that 15, 100,000 naira will not be money to me. Is it 150? I can't remember the exact figure now. But I just assume you say 150. I said, that money will not be money to me. You know the truth? By that 15 years, my wife and I literally were able to be dashing out 150 periodically. It, it, it literally happened. I knew from the word of God, but secondly, I knew from my father's experience. <laughs> my father did something like that. 
when he was a young man. The days of pounds. He was paying a certain amount of pounds every month with the plan that after 20 years, we give him 2,000 naira. You may think he's small. 2,000 pounds in their time was huge money. Except that when my father collected his 2,000 naira, it could not buy up to four tires. 20 years of putting money down regularly. They gave it to you. We only know because my mother told us about it. It was not even enough to come home and say, oh boy, something's happening. Both that, you know what happens? You know inflation now? Inflation made made mess of the whole thing. The boy did not know I came from a house where my father had gone that way. He said, stand by the ways and look. <laughs> Check where the good way is. So the elders have gone some way so that we will not go that way. I said, please don't. And I said, to the, I told the guy flat, I said, the time you are saying, find me, I told him straight, find me another reason. You have to find me another reason. The reason you are giving me is not good enough. You know what I'm praying to you again today? Tell your neighbor, relax. relax. God is not dead. Is not dead. Tell the person, your God, your God is, not dead. is not dead. Your father, your father is, not is not dead. Say, my God. Is not dead. People just need to learn to trust. Many years ago, people were running up and down and down. I said, I prayed a prayer to God. And I realized now that He heard me clearly. I said, Nobody will ever return back to Nigeria and say, We told you. What I have heard again and again, people come back and say, You guys were wise. What I've seen again and again. So people will come back and say, ah, you guys are doing well. Though. One of our brothers, he, was, he went around those days. Finally, you know, he just he now came back home. He's kind of, let me come back and see the boys. Before he used to sneak in, sneak out. So he came around, traveled around. You know, you know what surprised him? He didn't realize that God is blessed. If you go to America and you are blessed, it's God. And that's him, God didn't travel with you and leave us behind he stretched his hand to you in America. He stretched his hand to us in Nigeria. Followed us to Cameroon. Burundi, he preserved us from all the crises. We are alive. Amen. Whatever. He was going from one place to the other and was amazed at what the Lord had done. You know, unconsciously, you think you are growing. The people that you left behind are on the same spot. But it didn't happen like that. He will go to one place, enter his friend's house, look up, look down, see the massive house the fellow is living in. And the fellow doesn't think anything of it. He didn't think to show it to him. It's normal. It's a normal house. Just normal house, normal season. We thank God. Come in, sit down. Did you think they would touch a hut? <laughs> Listen, God is good, though. I said God is good, though. People do grow, grow, go here, go there. God taught me longer. I just relaxed my life. I was saying last time, every time I have gone to the United States, I have not paid my own ticket. Every time. First time I went, UICC paid. It's an European agency. I went for a course. They gave me $3,500. So at this small calculation, you know, let me tell you something, just to give you an idea of God's faithfulness. God taught me something over time. That stop making decisions because of money. 
do what being right is first. So when I went to buy my ticket, not now you could buy your ticket online. Those days you go to an agent and all of that. So I went to one in Mod Hotel there. Went to go discuss with the guys to buy my ticket. So the guy told me if I would travel a day, a week earlier, all right, that the ticket, you know, there's a, there's a time between May and June that tickets spike, they just jump up, almost double. So he wanted me to go like a week or 10 days earlier, the dates I gave him, and I'll get it much cheaper. Ah, I looked, and I said, I was tempted. But then I remember, thank you, the Lord said to you different ways. Don't put money first. What is right? So then, Kingdom World was, of course, already going on. And so I tried to delay my movement. There's a way it was anyway. So I said, no, no, no. Book it for the time. I said, so I had to pay extra. Now, it was supposed to be a sponsored trip by UICC. So because I had paid more for the ticket than I had hoped for, my budget was now a bit overstretched by about $500. So, and I just remember that, hey, I work in the teaching hospital. My CMD is a nice guy. So I wrote him a letter that, I'm going for a training to benefit the hospital, please. Can you give me the balance of the money? <laughs> These guys are giving me this amount of money. Another $500, and I'll be cool. Just saw my letter. I just minuted something on it. The PRO called me and said, how much is the whole ticket? I told him. They paid me for everything. So I told, no, I, I got to the man. I said, excuse me, sir, please. You're not getting it right. I just asked for the balance. He said, ah, you need fear money. <laughs> I said, no, sir, just that the, uh, what I wanted is like, don't disturb my soul. I need the one I can retire. I need the receipt for tickets. <laughs> I gave it to the man. I got minuted on it. They paid me every dime back for that ticket. On top of most of it that UIC had given. Next time I went, I told my brother, if you organize this program, starting your uh, local North America, I will come and inaugurate it for you. I was the president that time. So, they said, so, they did. Took up the challenge. They went back, did their first convention. So I said, okay, fine. So my wife and I went. So because I was Lukaf president, they just assumed that I came officially. And our alumni fellowship runs funny. Your exco is at your own expense. So current president, Pastor Courage, he travels all over the country. Those who don't know, don't know he's spending his personal money. That's just the way we are. In that place, you serve like you are serving the Lord. <laughs> We have meetings all over the country. One of our brothers is in Abuja. He has to fly everywhere. People don't know that it's his own pocket he's using to pay. So that he will go for the meeting. After the meeting, of course, I went to visit my friend together. My wife, my wife went before me, so he joined me in my friend's house. She joined my friend's house, and then we moved around. The meeting was over. We were about to leave. Oh, are you sending somebody to the UK? I was present at that time. I said, no. Uh, why not now? I said, nobody wants to go. Should go now. He said, but they sent you here now. That is, I was present. I said, who sent who? Look at me. I said, bros, I bought that ticket with my money. He said, yeah. No, he didn't shout it out. I saw it in his face. Then he left me. In the evening, they greeted me for coming and gave me $2,000 in cash as an honorarium. I knew it was not an honorarium. When they found that I bought my ticket myself, they handed me $2,000. Please take. The last time I went, a few weeks ago, he said, are you coming? I said, no problem, I'll come. We'll buy your ticket. I said, no, no, no. I don't want to travel around the world. Send the money you have to my friends. So they sent to choose $2,000. To the bank, I have your ticket money. I said, I'm not sure. I won't travel. He said, you will travel because they've given you your ticket money. <laughs> so he helped me 
order the ticket, buy the ticket, whatever was left on top of it was all I just needed to add to it. But I didn't want, I wanted to get a convenient ticket. I wanted to just make my journey very short. But when, listen, why am I telling the story? When we're running up and down these days, I define money, I define money. I said, to buy a ticket, you define money. No. I said, no, I'm not fit. Especially since Nigeria is very beautiful, so there's no way I'm going. <laughs> People ask me, are you traveling in December? I said, why should I leave Enugu in December? I don't know what you are looking for. This is, God moves down to Enugu in December. Angels come to Enugu in December. I said, where are you going? <laughs> the Lord is good. Tell your neighbor, God is faithful. A lot of people make wrong decisions simply because they are afraid of tomorrow. The message of God I have for you today is that he's already in tomorrow waiting for you. He's already in tomorrow waiting for you. They say, ah, which school will your children go to? I said, if God needs to build special schools for my children alone, he will. Do you know, I don't want, ah, Father God, I give you praise. I worship in the presence of your, brethren, of your children, my brethren. I don't even have the capacity to think about some things. God has taken it from me. I'm the kind of person that when we get to that bridge, we will cross it. If we get it, there's no bridge. God doesn't want us to cross that river. Do you get my point? There's no fight. If there's no, look, if there's no bridge there, the Lord doesn't want us to cross that river. Otherwise, you put a boat. If none of the above, we'll turn back and say, this is not the way. You know the truth? You can't plan your life. Many of the countries people are dying to go to, listen to me, in the next five years they will be scattered. Do you know Libya was a very beautiful place? Somebody told me the story of one Nigerian, I can't remember who told me that story now. He said the guy, the Nigerian was in Libya, he made a lot of money, but he used to hide his money in his house. He said, till today, if he gets to that house, he has money there, unless they've blown up the house, or they knocked the house down. He hid his money in the wall. But the day he left, he left in a hurry. There was crisis. He was heading back home. He saw that they had surrounded his neighborhood. And he knew that if he went in that direction, he would die. So he turned and ran and came back home. Naked he was, naked he went, naked he came back. And say he has money, except that it's in Libya. <laughs> Look, we can't plan enough. Look, there's no way. We can't plan our lives, though. We have to just let him plan it. Don't let the world control how we behave. Let's read that scripture that we should read. So we can start, I can start my teaching for this evening. I knew you were going to laugh. Philippians chapter 3. Let me say it again. God is faithful. Just follow his assignment for each season. I was talking about faith. You will know when your faith can carry something. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, you will know when your faith can carry it. You will know. Just keep walking with God on a regular basis, studying your scriptures, keep feasting on the word of God, interacting with true believers, encouraging yourself in your most holy faith all the time. You will know when your faith can carry something. 
Like I said, if it's time to be a parent, please pay it well. Let that be your prayer point. It is ungodly for you to be owing your landlord rent and you are paying for land you want to build on. God will do bless it. It's ungodly. Pay the man his rent. You can't be building a house and you are... They do it all the time. My mother had two tenants like that. That is our house back at home. And then they are packing it to their own house. But they've not paid in the last one and a half years. And I just look at them and say, human beings are foolish. Oh. You think God is sleeping? If that old woman tells you, God will judge, that house will collapse on your head on Sunday so that nobody will die. You will have gone to church. You come back home, it's down. You want my mother to be pursuing you up and down. I told her before, drive them out, lock the door. Because, you know, nobody should give me a headache. Are you getting my point? It, look, it was for freedom that Christ set me free. I don't want people to give me a headache. They're making my mother contract a lawyer to write you. My mother is 80 years old, for goodness sake. If you did that when my father was alive, you know, it's not a problem. If I live near there, uh we'll take it up, mano a mano. (laughs) When I live an 80 year old, I mean, I don't have that, I don't have that headache. So my mother, eject these people and lock the door. Then you now pack from that house to your own house. Just mention that one single room you build, though. Because if you dare rent the house to anybody, when they are living, they will remove your roof. <laughs> what a man shows. <laughs> I don't understand people. Christians, please don't do it. Our house we are living in now, when Bishop was working on it, ask him. I told him, and I told my wife, I said it will never happen that I will give it as an excuse not to do something. If it has to be an excuse, then it's not the time. My mother shouldn't expect money from me, and I give her an excuse. Hey, I gave Bishop money to buy cement. In fact, Bishop is in trouble because that cement is going to fall on his leg. <laughs> I, you know, I shouldn't. You know, it, it shouldn't happen. Life must go on like nothing is happening. Especially in the area of the good works that I'm supposed to be doing. Ah, uh-uh. so if it is time to be paying your rent, make that one a prayer point. That's what I'm making. Pay it regularly. Consider it a matter of faithfulness that you're a good tenant. When it's time to live there, ask God for a better house. It can be another rented property. It can be the one you built or bought, whatever it is. Just be taking it step by step. When you are due for one step, God will guide you into it. You won't be in distress. One of the reasons why it appears like our God is not faithful is that people are not willing to take life step by step. And all my children must go and do holiday in, 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 in London. Why? Why? Because your neighbor went. That's the only reason. And there's nothing wrong with you. There are people I know that holiday time, husband and wife, they pack themselves, pack their children, if the children are married, they pack their sons and daughters-in-law. If they have children, they will pack those children too. And they are, everybody's meeting in Dubai. They are meeting in London. They are meeting in places. But you know what I notice about those people? They don't sweat over it. Sometimes the person will tell the children, okay, we should go. I'm very busy. I'll come next week. Then you will land there flying first class or business class. 
Stay with them two days. Say, please, I'm coming. I forgot something at home. You fly business class, you go and bring it. Then you now see poor people. <laughs> Bank loan to go on holiday. You should know the witches in your house are succeeding. There. And now you're taking a bank loan to go on holiday. The witches are working. And they are working well. Bank loan to go on holiday. Why? So they can, because you go to one expensive school. And your children must show up during a new session with pictures. Look, go and ask small Israel to Photoshop them into... <laughs> Is that not what they do on Instagram? <laughs> Half of those Instagram photos, fake. Fake. They enter their new Bentley. This is a take picture with Bentley, it's like $50. Uh, you know Americans? One day my friend sent me a picture. He said, Lamborghini. I said, oh boy. He said, no, no, no. Nah, is it $50? He take picture, come on every time. I said, you not drive? I said, no, to drive now, $100. <laughs> I think the picture was $20. The pictures beautiful. Oh, no, that was the first time I loved the Lamborghini. Beautiful, my because my friend was inside. Beautiful. I said, he didn't drive. He said, no. He said, because I've heard of this car crashing anyhow. So I didn't come to America to be paid for Lamborghini. People then there's unnecessary distress, unnecessary, unnecessary. So the children can come and be speaking picture, uh, speaking. Uh, went there, went there. Oh, I love my children. God bless me with good children. They ain't going anywhere. Until the time is ripe. They are here. All of them. They, a few of them have gone to places. One day my wife was going. She said, can I carry these two people? Of course, it wasn't a problem. I paid. Go. Then one day she wanted to travel to the U.S. said, hey, can I take this one? I said, why? She said, let them go and see their cousins. I said, have you ever heard of Skype? I will pay for internet. Everybody, come and gather. <laughs> Me to see. You know, America is a very wicked place. London is even easy. One, it's not so far. Two, when you reach there, you go to the entire trade. America, to go from one place to the other, now they fly about like spirits. You understand my point? From one place to the other. Who could they pay? This is a bit forget. Don't worry, time is coming, amen? No, God can do this thing, such a man that one day you are going, say, okay, chatter the plane, go. Yeah, no, God does strange things. But don't put yourself under distress. You are not competing with anybody. <laughs> oh, God. That's why God sometimes looks like he's not faithful. He's very faithful. If we walk with him step by step, stage by stage, he knows why he's taking you to the stage you are in right now. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Though your beginning be small, your latter end shall greatly increase. One of our sisters, when she's telling the story of her poverty of childhood, tears will come to your eyes. But now, if she sends me a message, the first question I ask is, where are you? Is the first question I'll ask her, where are you there? Because she be, could be talking to you from China, could be from Abuja, could be from somewhere in Europe. And it's not a problem. Let's just follow the Lord, though. Don't worry, sir. he has entered that future. He's waiting for you there. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. I'll read this. 
Then we'll continue from this point. What I wanted to teach today is here. What I did was just to, I was trying to introduce this, but I think God just wanted to bless people with certain words. Chapter 3. He said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the fake circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Just by the way, Christ is everything. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't fall for this false doctrine that's running around the church now. Subtly glorifying Judaism. People, if, if the way they teach these days, if an average Christian sees a Jew, he almost falls down to worship. You know what Paul said? We are the true circumcision. If a Jew sees me, he should see what God chose his fathers to produce. He should admire Christ in me. And if he's not in Christ, he's far inferior to somebody who's in Christ. Don't ever forget that. Because subtly, little by little, it has crept into very popular Christian doctrine. One man I was listening to, he said, Jesus is a Jew. I said, it's a lie. Jesus is not a Jew. He said, what are you saying? Listen, let's just clarify that. When they called Jesus the son of David, what did he say? He said, David rejoiced to see my day. He said, before Abraham, I am. Paul said, ah, we made a mistake. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. He said, even if we knew Christ after the flesh, henceforth we know him thus no longer. So we are coming to brag to me, Jesus is a Jew, you are still knowing him after the flesh. The real Christ, before Abraham, he was there. And that is the resurrected Christ we're having to deal with. You don't need to go to Jerusalem to achieve anything. You're not a Muslim. I saw today they say airlifting. I already news. Airlifting begins for Christians going to Jerusalem and Rome. I said, tourist attraction, pure tourist attraction. Anybody can go anywhere. You're not a pilgrim. You're a tourist. Okay, now. He said, Paul said, verse 4, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, that is, if it was possible, I was one person that should. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day, these are my qualities, qualifications, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, that is, I counted everything as dung, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, but or have already become perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that 
for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Let me just stop reading here so as to save time. Now, what am I trying to bring up for here, us here? We began all of this by trying to say that we have to be careful. We have to be careful what we place before us. David said, I have set the Lord firmly before me. That way, I will not be moved. I said last time that whatever you place in front of you will lead you astray if it is not Christ himself. What happens a lot of times is that people place prosperity in front of them, but Christ is a means to attain that prosperity. They come to church to learn the principles of prosperity. Then they are moved. They they go in the wrong direction. They follow the error of Korah. They go in different ways. You know, Balaam will speak to them. They They become captive to the forces of this world. Why? They set a wrong thing in front of them. People set all kinds of things. But Paul said, what did I set in front of me? I just wanted to know him. I counted everything else as loss. I laid down everything for the, you know, for the, he said yes. He said more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. We began by, by explaining that, listen, people set resolutions and all of that. What you need to set, you know, I was saying something about trusting God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing will be added to you. He's telling the truth. Let's believe him. It's the word of God. It will not fail. You don't have to think of things for God to supply them. Set the Lord before you. Say, what do you want to achieve this year? It's simple. The me at the end of 2020 must be far better in Christ-likeness than the one that started the year. That's the idea. I want to know truth. That's what I said before me. You know, this life, where God will take you to is not, is not dependent on what you have achieved by yourself. You can't save enough money to get to where God wants you to get to as a business person. You can't. Just walk with him, be faithful. Please him in all things. That should be your primary goal. That should be your primary assignment. To please him in everything. That should be your primary goal. Whatever work you are doing, just ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? Is this how he wants me to do it? To be more accurate in discerning what God's will is on a daily basis is what should be your goal. Set that in front of you. When I say what God's will is, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying how to hear voices. I mean, in every decision you make, you ask yourself, is this what God wants me to do? To be more accurate in knowing that this is how God wants me to handle the situation. That should be your goal. In the midst of that, you will enter into his plan for your life. That's what I've been preaching for some time. Many times churches, we were saying at the beginning, they get tired of preaching Christ. Because they preach Christ, preach Christ, they think. But it's not producing material things. Unfortunately, they are making a mistake. What God is saying is that, no, you have not preached Christ enough. You have not understood him enough. Indeed, he produces prosperity if necessary. You just don't set prosperity in front of you. Like I said last time, how do we judge prosperity? It is how effective we are in blessing people around us. Redefining prosperity in itself is a project. I hope you get my point. Just to know exactly what he calls prosperity. Let's stop it here. So that I can continue from that, reading that Philippians chapter 3 next time. Let's just bow down his and give the Lord thanks for the word that came forth today. Let's rise to our feet. Let's just rise to our feet to pray. Let's take a minute to pray. Let's pray again. I will pray at the beginning. I wanted to say that prayer again. Everything that I have set in front of me that is not Christ, Lord, remove it. It's a simple prayer. Everything that I have set in front of me that is not Christ, Father, 
remove it. I want you to give thanks that he has shown you what real Christianity is. Tell him again, Jesus, I give you my life. Yes, pray that prayer. I give you my life to be used by you, to serve you, to be faithful to you. I give you my life.